Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth Podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. We've talked a lot on this show about religious liberty and the importance of it from a constitutional perspective of the government making sure to preserve and protect our rights. We also need to discuss this from a theological position and why it's so important to maintain the theological truth that Christ, not the government, is the head of the church. So tonight we're going to be doing a deeper dive into both of these substantive areas with Pastor John MacArthur, who is my client through the Thomas More Society, who's fighting back against LA County's overreach into trying through uh, to harness the pretext of the COVID pandemic to shut the doors of the church and other churches across uh, LA County and through Governor Newsom across California and fighting back against that overreach. I'm also going to be talking with my co-counsel through the Thomas More Society, Paul Jana, to talk about another case that he's involved in also in California that's fighting back against these health restrictions. So we want to analyze this from both perspectives, the constitutional angle and the theological, because both of these are incredibly important to religious freedom. A few months ago, with the hashtag Church is Essential, we recorded a video with Pastor John, and he explains very concretely why it's so important to open your church. Watch this. The church is essential. Hi, I'm John MacArthur, and I am pastor of Grace Community Church right here in Los Angeles, and I have been for over half a century. This is a church committed to the bedrock conviction that the Bible is the Word of God, and we, in obedience to that Word, have met together every Sunday for all these years. We have been protected by our government. We've been given freedom to do that. Today's current crop of politicians are trampling on the Constitution and on the resolve of citizens to demand their rights under the pressure of a manufactured fear. The reality is that the COVID data just doesn't match the government's COVID narrative. Here in the state of California, we have 40 million people. People that have COVID now are one one hundredth of one percent, point zero zero one. You have a 99.999 chance to survive COVID. It's just not what they're saying it is. That absolutely does not warrant shutting down anything, but especially absurdly and arbitrarily, churches that have a special protection from the Constitution. Oh, and at the same time, leaving open abortion clinics, strip clubs, and marijuana dispensaries. And by the way, the health department is on record as saying they're going to allow riots and protests without regard for the mandated health and safety ordinances. 
This is obviously targeted discrimination. Leftists and secular government officials have no tolerance for biblical Christianity, so they're using COVID as an excuse to shut us down. We have to stand firm on the reality that the church is essential. The most meaningful, transformative, exemplary lives in a community all come together in the church. And that's been our impact on the city of Los Angeles. For 20 weeks, we had no ministry to children, young people, college students, young adults, families, no weddings, no funerals, no ministry to our precious disabled people, and no opportunity to make calls in the hospital to those who were sick. I started preaching to an empty auditorium, and uh, after a few weeks, our people started coming back because they didn't believe the narrative the local government and media were giving them. Week by week, more people came until finally we had about 7,000 people gathering for worship. The church is the original protester. We go back to the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago when the government was trying to dictate to the church how it should worship. This is a watershed moment in America. We have been granted by God the freedom to meet as a church and that is protected by the Constitution. We need to be the church, not only because we're free to be the church, but because we're commanded to be the church by the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. This is a time of all times to meet as the church. Open your church. The church is essential. The church is essential, and if you want to sign that petition, go to the link on the video that we just played, and also follow Grace Community Church in their stand fighting for the church in community. Religious liberty is so incredibly important, and we've talked about on this show the truth of religious freedom. It's not something that the government gives us and tells us when, where, how, and why we can choose to exercise our constitutionally protected rights. This is something that our founders understand understood is a pre-political right. It's something that we as human beings who are made in the image of God have within us and given by God, not our government, the ability to make sure that we can meet together to worship God and to speak the truth. We've seen over the last year and more of this COVID-19 uh, really crisis in our country, how the government has used the pretext of health orders and this so-called safety measure to actually infringe upon our religious liberty and our right to freely exercise that. Grace Community Church and other churches across America are fighting for these important protections because we have to make sure that the precedent of religious liberty is still maintained through recognition by our government of this fundamental freedom. So as we continue this conversation in the next segment, Pastor John MacArthur is going to join me and talk about where we're at in this fight through the Thomas More Society, why this is so important to continue to protect. And later on, my co-counsel, Paul Jana, who's fighting this fight with me, will also join on the program. So stick around. We'll be right back with more of Just the Truth. 
The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Joining me now on Just the Truth is Pastor John MacArthur, who is the Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. Pastor MacArthur, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, we've had so many great conversations, but this is a real privilege to have you on this show. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. And you have been one of the most, uh, one of the first really steadfast uh, pastors and your church has stood firm for Christ being the head of the church, not Caesar, not the government. And way back when this fight first started back in July 2020, uh, your church, Grace Community Church, issued a statement from the elders that really started this whole uh, legal fight that we find ourselves in. And so I want to take people back to that statement and have you explain uh, just what was the rationale and the theological premise behind why you decided in July to open the doors of grace. Well, first of all, Jenna, there is clearly in Scripture a role given to government. Um, Romans 13 is the familiar chapter in the New Testament which defines the role of government, and essentially it even says that the agents of government don't bear the sword in vain. In other words, they don't carry a sword for nothing. They are a threat. They are an authority. And the, the role of government is to punish evildoers and protect those who do good. And uh, we are told to pay our taxes in order to fund that role of government. But the sphere of government is clearly civil, and it exercises ultimate authority. I mean, a sword is a symbol of, in the end, capital punishment, and God granted that to government to stabilize society because of the presence of pervasive evil everywhere. Government is critical. But there's another complete paradigm existing in the world. There's another complete domain. There's another completely different kingdom, and that's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. And over that church, the government exercises no authority. The head of the church is the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ. The great confession of Christians throughout history has been Jesus is Lord. And the Bible is crystal clear about that. There is only one Savior, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he alone is Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. And repeatedly in the New Testament, it tells us he is the head of the church. And an interesting reality when you think about that is that the Apostle Paul wrote that the one, namely the Lord Jesus, who is head over all things in the universe is also head over the church. So God gave to the church to be its head the one who is ruler over all things and the judge of all men who will ever live on earth, the final judge of all men. So we know that there is a complete separation of powers biblically between the role that government plays in the civil realm and the role that Christ and the church play in the spiritual realm. When the government then oversteps its bounds and dictates what the church will do, what the church is allowed to do or not allowed to do, there has to be 
a very, very strong reason for that kind of invasion. And you might assume that if there was an actual bubonic plague or if there was an actual pandemic, uh, if people were dying in the streets, reason would tell the church, look, don't meet. Um, we, we are, of all people in the world, the most compassionate historically. The whole nursing movement, the whole medical movement, the whole hospital movement on the face of the earth came out of Christianity, Christian principles. So um, the fact is, when we first heard that there were going to be deaths everywhere and this was going to be uh, like a vast plague taking lives all over the place, yeah, we backed off. We said reason, common sense, compassion, care, love would would tell us we've got to wait and see what happens. But over a couple of months, it became apparent that the reality wasn't anything near what we were told it would be. And our people started coming back. Why? Because the number one reality in their life is the church. It's not an option. It's not a weekend event. It's not a Sunday exercise. It's their life. Their relationships are built there. Grace Church is alive seven days a week with the people of God and the people of this community coming and going because of the life of this church and its impact. So this is the heart and soul of their life, and Christ is their Savior and Lord and the head of the church. So we submitted to the headship of Christ, literally a, kind of like a, a family at a time or a person at a time. First there were dozens, then there were hundreds, then there were thousands. They kept coming back. And um, after 13 months now, there's been no outbreak of COVID that has occurred as a result of the gathering of Grace Community Church. And the health department has even indicated that. So um, we did what we know we had to do. Now, if the government told us you can't meet, if the government said, we're going to lock you up if you meet, we would still meet. If the government had no First Amendment, if America provided no protection for a church, we would still meet. Believers have through all of church history, even up until this very day, there are believers dying because they're, they're meeting in places in Asia and in the Muslim world. So we would meet anyway. But America has given us the unusual protection of the First Amendment. And so we want to exercise that First Amendment while also being obedient. Church for us is not just permissible, it is a commandment. And it's a commandment which, like all the commandments of the Lord, we fulfill with love because he loved us and we first loved him. And Pastor John, I can I can say from personal experience, um, having the opportunity um, in as a legal representative coming to church uh, to see that there's so much more than that, and how much um, it is such a vibrant community, and how uh, Grace Community Church is uh, is doing much more than what the average person thinks. And there's always this pushback of saying, well, why can't you just meet on Zoom church? Why can't you just hear the words of the pastor on Zoom and be okay with that? But uh, people need to understand that church and the and being a Christian is what you said is so much more than just attending the worship service. It's about everything that we do in our daily lives. And I loved another thing that you said about how this was your decision to open the church based on common sense. And it was also your decision at the very beginning to close your doors temporarily to address the pandemic. And that's what our government 
recognizes. And that's what we're fighting for is the ability of the church to make the best decisions for your own uh, community members and how you seek to serve them. And so uh, with this uh, with this legal fight, I mean, that brings up, um, Pastor, a an interesting problem with religious freedom, because as you said, uh, the Constitution protects the right of the church to make sure that we are able to exercise our religious freedom. And so when you wrote this elder statement, uh, you and your elders, and said, we are standing up for our religious freedom and that Christ, not Governor Newsom, is the head of the church, uh, why was this so important for you to take this into the legal arena? Because we always take the biblical pathway. We always proclaim the word of God. That's the only book we have. That's the only message we have. It's the living and abiding word of God is contained in Holy Scripture. So we take all our orders there. You can say Christ is the head of the church, and then you can say, well, what does that mean? That means that he directs his church. He has authority over his church. Well, how do we know what he wants? Because he's revealed it on the pages of Holy Scripture. So we take all of our orders directly from the, the Word of God, the Scripture. In fact, Sunday after Sunday, day after day, morning after morning, afternoon after afternoon, night after night, this place is buzzing with people studying and teaching and proclaiming the Bible, because that is directly from heaven, the word of the head of the church to his church. So when we sought to declare why we were meeting, there was only one possibility. We would go to the word of God and we would craft a statement that reflects what the Bible teaches about the church, the head of the church, and the necessity of the church meeting together. And as you pointed out in the comments you were making, for most people, the church is a building. I guess you see it on a corner and you think, yeah, you go there and you sit there and somebody talks and then you leave. But the church, the true church is not a building. The true church is an organism. It is a living body of Christ. And we're all connected. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with all others that are joined to the Lord. So this is a this is tighter than a family. This is this is not a physical family, although there are many families. This is a spiritual family tied together around personal love for Christ and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And we mutually minister to each other. The, the, the church has been given gifts, and all of us have different gifts for the purpose of ministering to others. And that's why we're told, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. You, you don't want to forsake that. And much the more, as you get closer and closer to the end of human history and the return of Christ. So we need each other to build up each other, pray for each other, love each other, forgive each other, care for each other. All of the one another's that are replete in the New Testament, all of the spiritual gifts that operate within the body of Christ depend on a living fellowship. And then there's the element of corporate worship. There's the opportunity to instruct young people and children. I remember the first Sunday we, we invited the children back the children hadn't been in church for a number of months, and we said it's time for the children. We had a 1,000 children, elementary children, show up that Sunday. We had balloons all over campus, and we gave out lollipops to all the kids. And I don't remember a Sunday when I had more little kids tugging on my coat and saying, thank you for opening our church. And 
they hadn't been to school, they hadn't seen their friends, and when they came to church, it was an explosion of love. We even had a winter camp here. We're supposed to take our kids up to the snow, but uh, we couldn't because of COVID, so we had some trucks dump snow all over our campus, and we created some sledding, sledding in Southern California. Can you imagine? That's but great. the kids loved it. So the families, the life of this church is not the building. It's the sharing of fellowship together Absolutely. from the smallest kids to the oldest adults. And that's what we that's what we do. Absolutely. And so this is so much more than just the building. And that's what people have to understand about this fight. And as our founders protected the free exercise of religion, we'll be right back with more with Pastor John MacArthur. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Continuing the conversation with Pastor John MacArthur, the senior pastor of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California, and uh, someone I consider a, a pastor to me as well. I've just loved uh, the opportunity that I've had to go to Grace Community Church and uh, see the wonderful, vibrant community, Pastor John, that you've uh, you've been talking about. And so as we continue this conversation with the recognition that church is essential and that pastors need to open your church, we are just a few days away from celebrating the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, so I want to give you an opportunity as well for anyone who's watching who hasn't heard the truth of the gospel to explain why that's the foundation of everything that we do in life. Yeah, the, the reason the church is essential is because the church has the most essential message. It's not essential so you can have a quote-unquote spiritual experience. It's not essential so that you can meet nice people, good people, religious people. No, the reason the church is essential is summed up in these words. There is no salvation in any other name than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church, and the gospel of Christ is the church's message. The reason the church is essential is because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I know the world doesn't like that exclusivity, but it just happens to be the truth. There's only one Savior, there's only one Lord, and the Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ. Obviously, we believe in a triune God who is manifest as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it was the Son who came into the world to be our Savior. Born of a virgin, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross a substitutionary death. That is to say he died for the sins of all who would ever believe in him through all of human history. I mean, look, God is a just God. God is a holy God. Isaiah said he's holy, holy, holy. The Bible says God cannot tolerate sin. Sin cannot go unpunished. All sin will be punished. Maybe you've never heard that. All sin will be 
has to be punished because God is a just God. So God is either going to punish the sinner or he's going to come up with some way to punish someone in the sinner's place. And that is the reason Jesus came. He came to go to the cross, not to feel the nails, not to feel the crown of thorns, not to feel the spear in his side particularly, but to feel the fury of God, his father, as God punished him for the sins of all the people through all of human history who would believe the gospel. That's the substitutionary death. How do we know God accepted that death? Because God raised him from the dead. God the Father validates the death of Christ as a full satisfaction for sin by raising him from the dead and exalting him to his own right hand and giving him the name Lord, and he is Lord over all. And salvation comes to all those who repent of their sins and who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He died to take our place and bear our punishment. He rose to give us eternal life. That is the gospel. There is no other Savior. Again, I know that's an exclusive, narrow message. It just happens to be the truth. And let me talk about the resurrection for just a brief moment. How do you know Christ rose from the dead? Well, history declares it, certainly. There were over 500 eyewitnesses of the risen Christ. That's enough to convince any court. Uh, the apostles were with him. They walked with him, talked with him, ate with him. He appeared to them a number of times. But maybe the most dramatic proof of the resurrection is that the disciples had all scattered in fear when Jesus was arrested and taken to the cross. They were all crushed and brokenhearted. They were saying things like, well, we thought he was going to be the Savior and the Son of Man, and now he's dead. But all of a sudden, we read about his resurrection, and the next thing we know, the apostles have completely turned around, and they start preaching the risen Christ, and they preach the risen Christ with such boldness and such power and such conviction that almost all of them died as martyrs. So how do you go from fear, because the one you hoped in has been killed, to being willing to give up your life for the one who has been your savior? Only one way, the resurrection. When they knew he was alive, it transformed the apostles and gave birth to the church. So as a result of the apostles' testimony, the church moves through human history, continuing to grow, and it is the living evidence of the risen Christ. Amen. And what a what a powerful message. And for people who maybe have never heard that before, and they have uh, the common objections of, well, the apostles were just self-interested, or there's no real uh, proof of the reliability of Scripture because it's only contained in the Bible. What's the response to these common objections? Well, look, when people say, I don't believe the Bible, my immediate response is, wow, that's quite a statement uh, since uh, millions of people have for many, many centuries believed the Bible. You must have studied it very intensely to come to such uh, conviction. And usually people say, well, uh, no, no. I remember when I was 
doing an interview with Ben Shapiro, and we were talking about the Bible, and of course he's Jewish, and we were talking about the Old Testament. He said to me after that interview, he said, you know, it's refreshing to talk to somebody about the Bible who knows what's in it. Right. Uh, I think if, you, if you're going to make a critique of the Bible, integrity would say you better know what's in it. And the Bible is its own best defense. When you read the Bible, you find out about prophecy that was fulfilled in human history. How do you explain that? Only God knows the future. When you read the Bible, you find the record of miracles, incredible miracles with endless eyewitnesses to those miracles, which indicate that God is moving in history and the record of that moving is in the word of God. When you read the Bible, you come across the Lord Jesus Christ. No human beings, no committee of human beings could ever invent anyone like Christ. That He is beyond all human comprehension. So when you think about the fulfilled prophecy in the Bible, you think about the miracles of the Bible, you, you think about Christ, this is evidence of a supernatural book. But maybe one other opportunity to think about the Bible, and this might surprise you, is science. Is science. Did you know that the Hindu book says, the authoritative book in Hinduism says the earth is on the back of elephants who shake and create earthquakes? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he hangs the earth on nothing. The Bible says he turns the earth like the clay to the seal, like on an axis when you would roll a clay signature across soft clay to sign some kind of stone or some kind of clay document. Uh, the Bible talks about the hydrological cycle. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. You know, for centuries, people were bled when they were sick, which made it worse until we found out that it's the blood that keeps you alive. You need to be sure that you've given the Bible a very close examination before you would ever be so bold as to say you don't believe what's in the Bible. The Bible will defend itself to one who is honest and looks at it with an open heart and an open mind. And Pastor Jim, for people who are watching who uh, maybe they don't have a local church, and certainly we would encourage you to find a church in your area that is open, go this Sunday, ask these questions. Um, where else can they go? I know you, gracechurch.org has a lot of resources. Um, what would be the next step for someone who's saying, yes, I've never really read the Bible. I'm interested in coming to church. I'm responsive to this discussion of the truth of Christianity. Well, what you want to do when you find a church, you want to basically ask one question. Do they preach and teach the Bible? I mean, do they preach and teach the Bible? And does it point to Christ? That's the critical thing you want to ask. But uh, beyond the church, um, you could go to gty.org. Uh, grace to you, um, and you will find thousands of sermons, Bible studies, books, CDs, downloads, and you can download uh, three, four thousand sermons free of charge at gty.org. You can look them up uh, by scripture passage. You can look them up by subject matter. Try gty. Org. It is an endless resource. And for those of you who are kind of wondering about whether the Bible is true, you can scroll down through the various themes and you can find actual teaching on the veracity of Scripture. It's a full panoply of resources, not only to help you 
trust the Bible, but more importantly, to help you trust the Savior who is revealed in Scripture. And I love that website. So it's Grace to You, which is gty.org. And um, I've been on that. I'm on it almost daily looking uh, for different sermons that address any topic that you might be considering. And uh, Pastor John, thank you so much for your stand for the church being essential and um, being open and for this fight for the truth uh, and for standing up in the community. Thank you for your stand. Um, I really appreciate that so much and for joining me here on Just the Truth. Uh, my joy. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you. And we're going to be right back here on Just the Truth to talk to Paul Jana, who is my co-counsel with the Thomas More Society, to talk more about the legal fight that Grace Community Church and other churches in California and really across the country are in the midst of fighting to make sure that the religious liberty protections that our founding fathers recognized were so necessary to preserving our ability to teach truth in society and where those fights are right now. So we'll be right back with more here on Just the Truth. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Just the Truth, where we're talking about the importance of the church and the hashtag church is essential, which if you follow me on social media, you've seen that I've posted every Sunday throughout this entire fight to make sure that the government isn't overreaching and is not prohibiting pastors from speaking the message that Pastor John just so beautifully laid out and why church as a community is so important and why religious liberty as a fundamental freedom has to be continued to be protected in our American society. We have the Constitution. We have the First Amendment. We are at an advantage to other societies because of our government. So to talk now more about this is my co-counsel at the Thomas More Society representing Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church, Paul Jana. Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Great to be with you. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you. So we just had Pastor John on, um, who I know both of us just so appreciate his heart and his stance in this fight. So I want to just give people a little bit of an update of where we're at in our fight with Grace Community Church. Sure. So actually, yeah, Pastor John is amazing. He's, he's a hero uh, for, for many people. But uh, where we're at is actually we got the, the first win in California was in uh, Pastor John's case, where we had a trial court judge correctly apply the right constitutional standard really early on. I think it was last August, and um, allow him to operate indoors. And that decision was temporarily put on hold, and lots of other cases came down after that. But ultimately, that position was vindicated by the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we're in the process now in that case of having the injunction that was erroneously issued vacated so that we can, uh, you know, fully vindicate Grace Community Church's rights and, and you know, in a broader way. But He's had tremendous success in litigation so far. It's been kind of a, a, a crazy battle, as you know, back and forth. But um, 
where we're at now is we're we filed a motion to vacate and dissolve the injunction. Uh, we're quite confident based on the US Supreme Court's most recent uh, ruling that that it will be vacated and dissolved. And um, we do anticipate actually some discovery in that case pretty soon. We're going to actually uh, seek to depose the county health officers, the um, you know, the, the folks involved with making these decisions with respect to churches and get, get them under oath and, and see if we can get broader relief, not only from the restrictions with respect to capacity, but also the social distancing and, and all the other requirements that they're imposing on churches at this stage in the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, Paul, you know, it's been a really interesting fight, I think, from a legal perspective for both of us, seeing that that first judge in L.A. County absolutely got it right, um, you know, denying uh, this overbroad restriction on the, the constitutionally protected right to free exercise of religion, the freedom of worship, and he got it right. And L.A. County has come out at, about four times initially. I mean, we were in court, it seemed like, almost every day, uh, initially in August with that case, and uh, Grace Community Church has been vindicated really every step of the way. And the last, uh, the last ruling that I think was a, a significant win for us was when uh, the judge recognized that you can't impose contempt on a church for a uh, for an order that we're arguing is unconstitutional. And so we have said from the very beginning, these restrictive health orders are unconstitutional and we're challenging that. So there is the LA County battle, but then we've also sued LA County saying, hey, your, your health orders are far too restrictive and it's a constitutionally protected right. So now we're going back in next week actually to, to court in LA. So be praying for us, be praying for Pastor John and Grace Community Church there um, so that we can get this restrictive um, health order, the, the injunction, um, and, and what they're trying to hold Grace Community Church in contempt for actually lifted, uh, because now, as you just said, the Supreme Court has said, no, 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 that's too restrictive. So, um, so talk to me too about for um, for everyone who maybe hasn't been following this uh, case quite as closely, and you can um, always go to thomasmoresociety.org. You can look at all of our press releases there, everything that we're doing, not just in this case, but also in other religious liberty cases, uh, but about why the Supreme Court decisions were so important to not discriminate against churches and treat them dissimilarly to other types of businesses? Because that's something that we've seen California really overreach in. Right, yeah. So Thomas More Society has cases across the country uh, fighting this important fight. We got involved back in uh, May of last year with the South Bay case, and uh, we filed it. And back then, the, the, uh, as, as everyone knows, Justice Ginsburg was still on the court. And unfortunately, that case made its way all the way up to the Supreme Court pretty quickly, and, and it resulted in a five to four decision in favor of maintaining the restrictions in place at the time. And uh, it was clearly an erroneous decision, uh, but that was, the, you know, that was the decision for a little while. And so we kept on pursuing the case further, and uh, ultimately, uh, Justice Ginsburg was replaced with Justice Barrett, and uh, this this deference to medical experts that Justice Roberts was sort of, you know, he set that as the new standard. That was replaced with the Brooklyn Diocese case out of New York. And and yeah, they, they applied for the first time the correct constitutional standard and, and uh, struck down the restrictions in New York. And that allowed us in the South Bay case to go back up and get the same relief for all of California. And Cal at the time, California had an indoor worship ban. They were uh, literally, for, for a very long time, completely banning anyone from just stepping foot in any church, essentially. 
so that was obviously unconstitutional on its face. And that was. Yeah, well, well, Target you know, we was open and these big box stores right. and, you know, people. I mean, we just saw video of the sanctuary of Grace Community Church. And so, you know, this is clearly uh, treating them with disparate uh, with disparate standards. Right. Absolutely. And, and to think that there was trial courts and appellate courts who were just willing to let that, you know, let that stand. I mean, they were they were willing to rubber stamp basically anything the governor was doing. It was really a disgrace. And uh, we're, you know, it thanks be to God, the Supreme Court stepped in and struck down uh, that restriction. But the fight continues. I mean, just yesterday I was in federal court arguing again for South Bay. We have, um, you know, maybe you'll get to this later, but we, we still have occupancy caps that are discriminatory. I mean, churches are at 25% in California, but cost, uh, Walmart and Target are, are at 100%. So we're still we're still fighting those, and we argued that yesterday. And, and the and the uh, the court is it seems to be inclined to the same district court that got the issues wrong before seems to be inclined to keep that uh, those caps in place. But we are going to be allowed now to 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 depose the top county health officer in California and get him under oath, have him answer some questions about restrictions. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be very important, um, not only just to this case, but um, I think for throughout the state of California, they're actually going to have to justify their restrictions. And you can see from the federal level and also the state level how these have changed so often. They've been so arbitrary. There's really no science other than the whim of whatever they want to justify their health restriction uh, to be. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they try to justify this under oath. And so far um, through this fight, this is, uh, to my knowledge, and I think you're knowledge ball the first time that they're going to actually have to these health uh, officials are going to have to sit for deposition and actually justify to a legal and constitutional standard uh, their health orders and so when we come right back um, I'll have one more segment with Paul Jonna and I do want to get to uh, the current standard and your win uh, in the South Bay case and what this portends for the future so stick around we'll be right back with more of just the truth and we're talking about the importance of protecting and preserving free exercise of religion. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're continuing the conversation on the status of California's cases and really the status of religious liberty, uh, protecting and preserving what our founders recognize as a pre-political right that our Constitution in America is requires our government to protect and the status of how this is going amid the COVID-19 health orders and the government pretending that they have the authority uh, to close churches and to issue these types of caps and restrictions. So my guest, Paul Jana, is my co Council through the Thomas More Society. We jointly rec uh, represent Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church, as well as a few other churches around the country. And Paul, right before the break, you were talking about uh, this most recent win in the South Bay case. And so talk about why this is important uh, to the church issue overall. Sure. So just so everyone has context, right now, California is the only holdout state that's imposing the harshest restriction on churches in the country, 25% occupancy cap 
where you have, like I said, Walmart and Target at 100 percent. 38 states in, in the United States have abandoned all capacity restrictions on churches. They're just imposing general social distancing like any other business. Um, a, a few states have 50% caps, but California is currently the harshest. So, and what we've learned through, throughout the course of the pandemic is that they only change their guidance when they're forced to, when it comes to churches. So we've had to fight them every step of the way, and they only make changes to their blueprint or to their uh, restrictions on churches when a court orders them to. Unfortunately, the district courts, the Ninth Circuit, have been reluctant to to uh, question any of these restrictions. So we got relief in the South Bay case in the, at the Supreme Court in February where they struck down the indoor ban. So what's interesting, though, is that uh, the Supreme Court said that you could keep churches at 25 percent in, in what was called the purple tier back then, where re non-essential retail was also at 25 percent. Since then, they moved into a new tier where now non-essential retail is up to 50 or 100 percent, but they kept churches at the same 25 percent. So we went back to court, asked for another injunction uh, so that that would so that, you know, essentially they'd be tracking retail again, like the Supreme Court expected them to. But what did they do? They came up with a new argument for the first time in this case. They said, well, we had an expert actually look at the occupant load factor in a church versus other establishments. And actually, you know what? A church at 25% can actually hold more people under the building code than a, uh, than a, than, you know, a retail establishment at 100%. So we think this is actually fair. So this was an argument that was tried in New York. The Second Circuit rejected it. It's just, it's called, a, it's a post hoc justification for their restrictions. They're saying, look, you guys are actually better off. And so, the judge, the trial court judge, unfortunately, appeared to be buying that argument, but she wants an evidentiary hearing to explore it further. So uh, we're, we're going to get a chance to, I hate to say this, but to somewhat embarrass these public health officials and, and ask them questions. Are you really saying that you took into account this occupant load factor theory way back when you were arbitrarily deciding churches should be closed or churches should be at 25? Of course not. We know that's not the case. So they're going to be, uh, we're going to notice their deposition soon. I have a feeling they'll probably change their guidance because they don't want to sit for a deposition under oath. So who knows? The next few weeks, we might see a lot of these restrictions changed. But uh, if they do have to sit for a deposition, we're going to grill them and we're going to make sure we get to the truth because we know that the only reason churches have been discriminated against in California is because the governor and the state of California just doesn't think what happens at church is important. And, and there's no science behind the restrictions. There's no uh, special magic formula with occupant load factors. All there is is arbitrary determinations that church is not important. And so we're going to, you know, we, we're actually filing an emergency appeal right now as we speak. It just got it just got filed with the Ninth Circuit about the ruling yesterday. But it is a win in a sense because now they have they're going to be put to the test. They're going to have to sit for a deposition. The top health officer of the entire state of California will have to sit for a deposition to answer questions. That has not been done before in any of these cases, as far as I know. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next. My my guess is that they'll probably change their guidance now. Yeah, and, and you're right that they are just kind of doing this post hoc. They're saying, okay, how can we go back and try to justify our restrictions? And I love what you said, Paul, about how, you know, this is just about 
the government of the state of California, the county of Los Angeles, other counties just saying, we don't really care about church, so we want to discriminate against them. And we have seen LA County just in the John MacArthur case, how totally unrelated, they're now trying to uh, dissolve a lease that has been held uh, for the past 30 years from the church of a parking lot, just as a targeted retaliatory effort against the church, just because they dared to stand up against uh, this vast overreach. So it's absolutely ridiculous. We know that it's targeted. Um, in the last just few seconds that we have here though, I wanna speak to Thomas More Society and how people can get involved. If you're out there and you really wanna support this effort, maybe you're not a lawyer, but there is uh, an effort that you can get involved in. Go to thomasmoresociety.org. Why is that so important, Paul? Well, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, the Thomas More Society does really important work defending life and traditional family values. And during the COVID pandemic, they've been, they have a team of unbelievably skilled lawyers like you, Jenna, like lawyers all across the country, helping protect religious liberty when it's under vicious assault right now. So um, they're not just in California, they're not just in Chicago, they're all over the United States. They've got special counsel all over. So I think uh, Thomas Morrisite is doing amazing work and um, thomasmorrisite.org is where you can learn more about what's going on. But I think that now more than ever, especially with this new administration and all the terrible things we're seeing, this kind of litigation supporting these efforts is, is more crucial now than ever. Absolutely, and I'm so grateful, uh, Paul, to, to be a part of this case with you and uh, your partner, Chuck LaMondry. We definitely want to give him a shout out. Um, you've just been an incredible team, and I love that we are able, through the Thomas More Society, uh, they're a nonprofit to provide these types of pro bono services uh, to churches and to other uh, different entities to make sure that we're protecting life issues, liberty issues, and freedom issues. So thank you, Paul, for joining me tonight uh, here on Just the Truth and go to Thomas More Society. It's M-O-R-E, by the way, of course, St. Thomas More, thomasmoresociety.org for more information. And now we're going to Just the Word. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and with our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's it for this episode of Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find out more about the Thomas More Society and the incredible work that we do there at thomasmoresociety.org. And I will be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday here on Just the Truth. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. 
A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.